everyone, and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael, and I'm here with Andre, and on today's episode, titled The End Times, Sorting It Out, we discuss uh, many things concerning the end times, the rapture, the tribulation, uh, the millennium, and lots of related topics. And we try to sort those things out and uh, be clear and be fruitful here, and we hope you enjoy the discussion. What's up, guys? Uh, Andre here. Like Michael said, we're going to be discussing a lot of the topics are revolving around, you know, the book of Revelation, the end times. We're both super excited for this episode, but how you've been doing this week, Mike? I've been doing good. Just want to point out that this is episodes, as this is actually a two-part, two-part little series we have here. Yeah, man, I was going to, I was going to say that, uh, you know, that was going to be my next thought, but, um, you know, I think, you know, Michael and I have both been having pretty good weeks, both wrapping up school and work so we're excited to go home excited for our ski trip and you know we're actually super super excited for this episode um you know tearing down the third wall i think i think that's what they say for like tv shows and, and all that you know when there's <laughs> no really idea. some raw um emotions that you know the audience can really witness um you know normally for a typical episode if you listen to the bonus episode for example or maybe some of our earlier episodes with the podcast um, you, you know, like somewhat, you know, what our strategy is when we're gonna about to record or, or something like that. Um, if you're new to the podcast, you may not be super familiar, but basically what we do is uh, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about it. Sometimes we don't, we just jump right in, but on a topic like this, we'll typically spend some time talking about it. Um, you know, studying ourselves before jumping in, but this topic is definitely one that's much longer. There's a lot of information and, and we Definitely want to be as coherent, as clear as possible. Um, so as not, you know, to confuse anyone, to, you know, just to lay out um, all the different viewpoints, different arguments um, associated with all the things in Revelation. It's a very interesting, uh, yet uh, can be at times confusing book of the Bible. So um, instead of having a longer introduction today, we're going to uh, probably jump right in uh, pretty soon here uh, into the book of Revelation and all the things in the end times and try to sort that out for you guys. Um, with you guys. Um, so bring out your Bible if you have it handy or maybe on your phone as you're listening. Um, but as Michael said, we're, we're, we're going to um, put this into two different episodes. So half we'll record now and, and half next week. So you're going to have to tune back in to get the second half. So just as Andre said, as we get into the topic, we're going to be talking about the end times, revelation, and related passages. So that'll include uh, a passage from Daniel, uh, a, a piece near the end of a few of the gospel accounts, First and Second Thessalonians. And so there's a lot of related passages to how we think about the future as well. So might as well just start with a couple uh, basic thoughts. So eschatology is what we're going to be talking about. Sounds real fancy, just means the study of the end times. So eschatology is the study of the end times. But more generally, this topic just pertains to God's eternal plan and how evil is addressed ultimately. And so a lot of people, they're, they're, uh, a misconception might be, well, it's in the future, it doesn't really matter, and it's not really practical today because it's kind of far off, or even if it's tomorrow, uh, I can just live today and we'll see what happens uh, in the future. But this is extremely practical. When Daniel and the exiles needed a comfort and reassurance from God in exile, uh, same with Ezekiel, God gave them words about a far-off future that wouldn't even be realized in their day. And so it's in God's word for us now, and so we can find hope in the end times, and uh, we should also, given that it's in the Bible, try to learn what God has been up to, is up to today, and will be up to in the future. You know, like Michael was talking about, we're gonna we're gonna touch on 
books of the Bible, like throughout the entirety of the Bible. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a, a big focus on the book of Revelation. So if you guys aren't super familiar with that or, or many of the ideas in the book, such as you know, the rapture or the millennium period and, and some of the things that uh, we're gonna start talking about here. Uh, just to give like a little bit of an outline of Revelation, in case if you guys aren't super familiar, you know, we start off in the first five or so chapters. We have, you know, prologue. We have, um, we see letters to the seven churches. We see a, a scene of the throne room. And then it's not until, you know, we get to chapter six, where we actually begin to see and, and understand all the judgment that's going to be going on. Um, and, you know, and, and then moving forward into chapter 12, 13 kind of range, uh, we get to see uh, a view of Satan, of the beast, of the false prophet. Um, and, and feel free, Michael, to, you know, add anything, anything to um, these things, or for, if there are any, any holes uh, that you see that you want to fill in as well. Um, but then towards the end, we get to see um, the second coming in chapter 19. We see the millennium period in chapter 20. And then we get to see, you know, what we're all in expectation of, um, you know, an, an eternal heavenly state in chapter 21 um, in the closing chapters. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of an outline of, of the book of Revelation itself. And, and like I said, we're going to be jumping back and forth throughout the, the whole Bible. But, um, you know, it, it's important to have some a little bit of background. So I hope that provided a little bit of help for you guys. And then we're going to go into some of the um, bigger ideas that we see in Revelation as well. Um, so, you know, you know, continuing on with, you know, what we're, we're actually studying and, and more of an overview. Um, you have anything else, Michael, you want to add? Uh, the only thing I would add is often, well, Revelation is certainly the least studied book potentially uh, for a lot of people, particularly people uh, younger in the faith. It can be a little intimidating for sure. And so I think one thing is just to recognize that Revelation isn't like some book that's disconnected from the rest of the Bible. Uh, to understand Revelation, we need a, a, there's a lot of ties back to Ezekiel, back to Jeremiah, back to Isaiah, back to Genesis even. I mean, Revelation 22 and the Tree of Life. I mean, that's a certain echo to the garden where there's a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But in the eternal state, like you said, we're there uh, in the future. Uh, there's only a tree of life. And so Revelation's not disconnected from the rest of Scripture. There's a lot of connections we can make, and it's part of our story. And so uh, we should feel uh, welcome to study it and invited. Yeah, man. And then, you know, thinking, um, you know, into some things that we're going we're gonna to touch on a little bit later. And we'll probably give, um, I think, yeah, we actually will give... Um, some of our views on on some of the things we're gonna we're gonna talk about, but we we do want to emphasize that we're you know here primarily to discuss um, the different sides of things. You know specifically, um, things begin to get a little bit more um, you know tricky, controversial. You could say um, when we start thinking about you know the order or um, the ideas behind the tribulation, um, the millennium period, the rapture. And we're gonna spend some time looking at 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 those things today and, you know, providing some uh, biblical context for those things, um, you know, give you guys some examples of potentially some, some resources where you could go look uh, if you want to, you know, read about or have some resources of, of a particular um, theologian who has one view or another. Um, but, you know, primarily we're, we're here to do, do that. Like I said, is, is, you know, walk through all the different viewpoints and, and that kind of thing. And, Specifically, we want to be as comprehensive, as coherent as possible, as clear as possible, um, you know, and, and really hope that you guys can really, you know, gain a lot from from listening to these two episodes. Man, that's so, so good. I think just one thing right before we jump in, and I'll just have to say up front, 
Andre is our organizational guide for this episode. He knows where we want to go, what waters we're going to be wading into, and uh, what we're going to be talking about. The only thing I'll say before we hop in, maybe to talk first about uh, ideas about a tribulation and what uh, concerns that, is just that it's worth concern. It's worth just to say that there's so many viewpoints on this throughout Christian history, last 2,000 years, but all of Orthodox teaching in Christianity teaches the return of Jesus, the resurrection of all people, the judgment of all people before God and eternal destinies for all people. So with those central frameworks in mind that guide our direction and guide our hope and guide our joy, then we can get into the weeds where things get more tricky. And uh, we're going to actually end up closing with a word at the end of episode two on just theological charity and uh, being in fellowship with those who might have differing views uh, from us. So Andre, uh, where do you want to start the conversation? Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, you say I'm like some kind of organizational wizard for for the episode but i guess at the beginning you know this is one of those longer trickier episodes to to really discuss you know at least for me like i wish we were discussing this uh with mr snyder for example like we did in in season one on genesis (laughs) um but you know we're gonna we're gonna really give it a go and you know more so than just being super picky or super um you know ocd potentially about the specific order of what we're gonna do we're kind of we're gonna kind of see you know just um you know, where the spirit guides the conversation, you know, we've, you know, we've been, uh, you know, praying about, you know, being comprehensive and clear, like I said, um, and we hope that comes across, but, you know, you know, at times we might, we might stumble, we might um, have to circle back if we miss something. So, you know, just bear with us and, and we're going to do the very best that we can. So let's go ahead and jump in and um, let's give, you know, listeners some, some, you know, maybe some basic definitions, a few explanations of some of the the bigger topics of things that we're going to discuss. I think it's going to be really good um, if anyone who isn't super familiar um, with certain um, of, of the ideas or topics we're going to be talking about before we try to, you know, place those in some kind of timeline or, or discuss viewpoints, just like knowing what they mean and, and, you know, what they're all about might be a really good place to start. Um, so you want to jump in with, so let's start with the tribulation, I think. Okay. So, Tribulation, or just tribulations, plural, is a super common word in the New Testament. Not necessarily just to refer to the future, some sort of future period of tribulation, but just to describe hardship for believers, the people of God, such as in uh, Acts 14.22. And so tribulation is used in the New Testament 45 times. It's a key word. But in terms of thinking about eschatology, thinking about the end times, a more specific use of the word would be in Jesus's Olivet Discourse, which is uh, Matthew 24. Its parallel text is Mark 13. And actually, uh, this is, I guess, a convenient place to mention it. Next, uh, well, yeah, on Monday from when this episode releases, we will be covering Jesus's Olivet Discourse in Mark 13 in the podcast uh, season going through Mark. And so that that also be super relevant and just how it ties into today. So a great, uh, more specific use of the word is when Jesus refers to a time of great tribulation in Matthew 24, 21. And uh, do you want me real quick to just give an overview on maybe two different explanations or views on what the tribulation could be? Yeah, I think I think that'd be really great. Um, and in terms of, you know, circling back a little bit, you know, you mentioned Matthew 24, specifically the verses where um, talking about, I would say, would be starting in verse 15, uh, maybe up to, you know, verse 20, 21, that kind of range, um, you know, kind of to give you guys some some imagery of like kind of what the tribulation is. You know, I think you gave a super great explanation, Michael, but, you know, for the sake of, of just, you know, seeing here, 
It says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is in the housetop not go down and take what is um, in his house. And let the one who's in the field not turn back uh, to take his cloak. So it's it's kind of, you know, you see um, kind of this o- ominous tone here, um, you know, telling you not to, you don't, you don't need your belongings at this point. Um, you may as well, you know, just n- not even look back. So that's kind of some imagery there. And then like Michael said, there's some specific viewpoints to give some, you know, brief introduction to, and then we'll move on from there. So go, go for it, man. I think the first thing to cover is just that the tribulation idea doesn't start with Jesus speaking, uh, near the end of his ministry. The key place to begin is in Daniel chapter nine. And this is one of the key texts to continually return to when we're talking about, uh, this topic. And so this is Daniel nine, 24 through 27, uh, known as this, this passage on what would be called the 70 weeks or the 70 sevens. And so, uh, many see just to get in, dive right into the first view, uh, so, or to dive right into actually what Daniel nine is talking about. So it's talking about how there's 70 weeks to bring in an everlasting righteousness. This is verse 24 to seal vision and profit, to atone for sin, to anoint a most holy place, to basically usher in the end times. It's going to be 70 weeks. Uh, we all know that it wasn't 70 weeks from when it was written, uh, in the exile, uh, back, uh, over 2,500 years ago. But rather, it's either figurative about the future or there's some sort of understanding where the tribulation, which is understood as the 70th week, if you read the passage, uh, takes place. So first view would be that many see an end times tribulation as being a specific seven year period in which the Antichrist rules. So this is... uh, in verse 26 through 27, there being one who makes a strong covenant, ending worship of God, the language about an abomination of desolation. So seven-year period, Antichrist rules, God's judgment is poured out. And so the first 69 weeks lead up to the triumphal entry or the tribu- or the crucifixion. This is 69 weeks of years, so 69 times seven years, actually mathematically goes down to that exact day or point. And then the week 70 is actually later in the end times, later in the future. And the week 70 is a week of years, seven year period of the tribulation. So that would be the first view. And then there's a lot of detail here with the second view. And uh, Andre, I'll see where you want to go with this. But the the second view would just be that the tribulation is not an exact seven years. It would be either uh, some sort of symbolic time in the future. It could have already existed in the past. Or in likely in this view, it is just the entire period of church history where the church is persecuted. That, that's, I would say that's, you know, it's a really good description. And, and you know, definitely, um, you know, want to point out that, you know, Michael uh, has pulled from, you know, various um, books, you know, articles and all that, you know, when, when putting a lot of this stuff together, but more so like in a little bit of a summary, just if you're in case if you're taking notes or, um, you know, maybe you're, you're making a, a nice little, little timeline for yourself. I don't know. Um, basically summarize tribulation is when God will pour out his wrath upon the earth and its inhabitants um, in order to punish sin. And like, Michael said in the first uh, viewpoint, um, tribulation has at times been called Daniel's 70th week. So um, there's two viewpoints there. Um, one is, is more on, you know, the specific timing in terms of like weeks and years and all that. The second one is more of a, a, you know, the timing doesn't really matter, more of a loose timing uh, interpretation. So I think that's really good. And, I- you know, do you have anything else to add on? 
Yeah, let me, yeah, yeah, for let sure. me add something. In terms of just defining the tribulation, it's not just a period of God's wrath poured out. It uh, All sides of which we're going to get to in, in a little bit. Everybody would agree that no matter where you see the tribulation referenced or how you're defining it, there is a persecution of God's people that's done by either governments, uh, false rulers, or an antichrist figure. So not only is there tribulation a pouring out of God's wrath, to punish sin. It's also where there's persecution of believers by an antichrist. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really good addition there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's really, really good. So now I think we can take it into, let's go for the rapture now. Um, <laughs> let's go for it. <laughs> and yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into the, let's dive into the rapture and kind of give a, a brief overview here as well. Uh, maybe not talk about some of the viewpoints yet, cause we'll jump into those uh, a little bit later, but you know, kind of just, uh, just to get us, get us thinking about about this stuff. So if we're just talking very vaguely about a definition of rapture or just like what it could mean, it would just be that the rapture is when the church meets Jesus. But the keystone passage for the rapture is found in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verses 13 through 17. And it says in verse 17, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so it means to be taken away or snatched away or to to meet the Lord. And so that's just a very basic definition. Um, and then there's going to be three to four like big views on when does this occur in relation to the tribulation. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time focusing on two of those views uh, due to primarily just their prominence and uh, also just the better arguments for uh, those two. And so you can take it from here where you think uh, we should go. Yeah, man, that's that's really good. And like you said, there's four main views. You know, specifically, uh, we're going to talk about two of them, like you said. Uh, you know, one interesting question potentially we could we could touch on, and uh, maybe you have some thoughts on this. You know, like as we're talking about the, the rapture here, uh, you said, uh, like you said, uh, the basic definition being that the church is going to, you know, meet Jesus. Um you know, there could be some, you know, discussions about, you know, you know, it says the church, what about, you know, believers who have already died? I know that's, you know, one specific question that I, I had when I first started studying Revelation and might be something that, you know, people potentially are thinking of as well. Well, you sound like you're from Thessalonica because the, he was actually writing uh, part of First Thessalonians 4 and 5 and Second Thessalonians 2 in light of a context in which A, the Thessalonians were worried that they had missed the second coming of Jesus Christ. And B, the Thessalonians were also worried about what about dead believers because Jesus has not returned yet. And so we might as well, we might as well plop you down into the first century and you can read uh, what Paul has to say. So that's actually a question that they would have had. And this is something that Paul was addressing. And so as it comes for dead believers... Uh, we know that if, especially if you want to spend time in first Corinthians 15 with the resurrection, but also with this one, because it talks about in verses, uh, it talks about verse 15. Uh, it mentions those who have fallen asleep. That's not like they took a nap. That means they're dead. And so we know that the people that the dead believers are resurrected and also at the rapture, regardless of your view on when it occurs. And we'll get into the nuances there in a little bit. Regardless of your view on those things, 
Um, at the rapture, it's not just that we're united with Christ. That's one emphasis. The other emphasis is that our bodies are made new. So, uh, are, we're transformed into a glorious, eternal, immortal body. And so it's significant to realize that the, the dead believer is at no disadvantage and is resurrected, uh, into fullness just as, uh, the alive believer would be. Does that cover the question? Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really good. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I, I think in terms of a, a brief intro slash summary uh, to the rapture, I think we, you know, we covered our bases there. Um, so now, you know, the one that's left is going into the millennium. And this is where we're going to start getting into more of some of the viewpoints, some of the timing things. We're going to start um, kind of building, helping build a, a timeline here, um, you know, starting with, you know, Jesus returning to heaven in Acts chapter one. And then through all of the things that we see in Revelation up to new heaven and new earth. Um, so let's jump into the millennium now. Okay. So the basis for the millennium, whether you think, and we're about to talk about this, but whether somebody thinks that it's figural, uh, meaning it's, uh, to be interpreted symbolically or that it's literal, uh, regardless, the conception of the millennium is revelation chapter 20, verse one through seven verses one through seven. And so it talks uh, about how uh, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. It talks about coming down to earth, reigning with Christ for 1,000 years. And so that is the basis for this period of time or this discussion of uh, the millennium. And so just like the concept of tribulation that we're going to get into uh, specificities with, there are various views, and there's basically just three views. So uh, do you want to kick us off maybe talking about what I would say today is probably the least common view, which would be post-millennialism? Yeah, man, for sure. And, and you know, right before I jump in, you know, to the post-millennium um, viewpoint, um, you know, kind of to, you know, give a you know broader perspective, a little more imagery for the section, like you said, in a thousand year period where Jesus will be reigning on earth. Um, but, you know, think of this as, you know, a time, you know, as, as Michael said, Jesus is reigning here on earth. Um Satan is, is bound. There's unprecedented peace. There's harmony on earth. So it's a really good time to be alive. <laughs> um, and you know, just jumping, you know, jumping into this view and, and really why it's called the post millennial viewpoint is because, um, you know, this viewpoint is specifically, you know, alluding to the fact that, you know, people who um, believe, believe this viewpoint to be true, that Christ's second coming um, it will be post um, the millennium. So after the millennium will be Christ's second coming. That's, you know, more of a, you know, just specific definition. We could, we can jump into, you know, some more specifics if you think uh, we should do that here or we can, you know, we can wait on those as well. I kind of think this one has an interesting social, cultural, or political history. So I actually kind of do want to jump in. So yeah, that's good. first is that if you've ever heard of Jonathan Edwards and I talked about him a lot when we talked about predestination, but Edwards and then John Bunyan, who wrote, uh, I think, The Pilgrim's Progress, and others have held this view. So it's not like without good precedent in uh, terms of believers. This was the predominant view that ushered in the social gospel, that we can have the kingdom of Christ here, uh, but we don't need the king. And and so that that that's not what Edwards would say, but that's where this ended up a slippery slope. And so this was actually the majority view in the 19th century, the early 19th century. This was a predominant view. And uh, just in case you're like thinking about, well, how does this have to do with the tribulation? Well, they would say the tribulation already occurred in the first century. And now until the end of time, now until Christ's return, the world is just gradually Christianized, gradually made into this uh, God-oriented utopia. So instead of it getting, getting, getting worse, it gets better. 
Yeah, also important to point out that, you know, this is definitely, you know, the least common viewpoint or like the one that, you know, the least people will say that, you know, they believe to be true for sure. today. Yeah, for sure. Um although although it was, you know, very popular, like you said, a long time ago, nineteenth century times, it was it was more popular. But but yeah, it's it's least popular now. I think that's a pretty good intro on that one. Since it's the least popular, we probably won't touch on it too much too much more, but then um, getting into the amillennial and premillennial uh, viewpoints, uh, you want to kick us off on those? Yeah, so they both have uh, incredible um, just precedence in terms of who's held these views, and also I uh, I'll just personally say up front, I think these are both are both way more convincing in the biblical text. So starting with amillennialism, this was super common um, back in the time of the Reformation and even in earlier church history. Um, Augustine held this view. Uh, John Calvin might have held this view. And today, uh, Sam Storms has a very popular book on it. I think it's called Kingdom Come, but I, I could be wrong. I have not read it. Uh, so amillennialism basically just posits, uh, basically, if you think about it's amillennialism or amillennialism, abiotic factor in biology is something that's not living because it's not biotic. It's abiotic. This is, there is no millennium in the sense that it's it's uh, symbolic of right now. So they would say that the thousand years of Revelation 20 is symbolic of right now, the church age. And uh, at the end of this symbolic millennial, millennium, Jesus' uh, second coming uh, will occur. And so the millennium began at the ascension of Jesus, and it will end at the return of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. And thinking more in terms of, um, you know, these views begin to really like get us into more of a, a timeline and, and why there are disputes, you know, with, you know, the, the, the premillennial uh, viewpoint um, being that Christ's second coming is before the millennium and that, you know, Jesus' reign on earth for a thousand years, you know, is is after um, that second coming and, you know, versus, you know, some of the other views. And the reason for some of the disputes here is because, you know, like you said, whether the millennium be the church age or the millennium be after the second coming, um, you know, in terms of the tribulation, you know, there's, you know, the first three and a half years, second three and a half years, uh, we probably won't get too much of a debate of that, but is the, is the rapture going to happen before this tribulation period? Is it going to happen after? Um, is it going to happen during? Uh, there's, you know, if you start thinking of a, of a timeline of all the events going on here, that's where a lot of those disputes and, and a lot of, you know, those like trickier aspects of, of interpreting really do start coming in. Um, you know, although there are, you know, there are, you know, agreements that, on some of the aspects of, of this timeline, but there are some that are like definitely very debated um, that we're going to get into a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's so good. And that also helps us bridge into premillennialism because again, this is the other very common view today. Um, so just thinking of a couple people that might hold it, if you're familiar with church history, Irenaeus might ring a bell or Justin Martyr. But if you're more familiar with today, John MacArthur holds this view. So does John Piper. And they actually differ on some other details we're going to get to later. But John MacArthur, John Piper, Charles Spurgeon. And uh, he'll laugh when he hears this, so I thought I'd throw it in there. But my friend's YouTube hero, Ray Comfort, who's like an evangelist on the streets, I guess, on YouTube. I've never watched him. But so <laughs> this is premillennialism. Christ's second coming is pre, before the millennium, as Andre said. And then after he comes, the, he'll reign on the earth for a 1,000-year period, typical, typically a literal 1,000 years. And then so we have the tribulation 
and then second coming, then millennium. And so during this millennium, Satan's bound during the thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, as Andres talked about, Satan's released for rebellion. And then Christ will destroy all evil and we get to judgment and uh, new heaven and new earth. So this is actually a very common view. This is this is like if you're just familiar with um, maybe pop culture references to Christianity, this is certainly the one that you've heard the most about or it's certainly the most influential. So premillennialism is our last and final category on that one. Yeah, I think that's you know a good introduction into kind of some of the ideas we're going to start getting into. Um, and like we said, some of the, you know, the trickier sections, some of the this disputed timeline aspects. Um, but, you know, we're going to jump into those next week, although we will be continuing to record this week. I mean, kind of get all of our thoughts down in one uh, go. Uh, you will have to wait uh, to get the rest of this discussion, uh, although we, you know, we hope that it will continue to be fruitful. Um, but, for right now, we'll be taking a short break, and unfortunately, we don't have um, a um, sponsor yet. Um, so you know, we don't we don't have a coffee a sponsor despite our our efforts. So um, you're just gonna have to um, enjoy this exit music as Michael and I take a break, and then jump into part two that you guys will get to hear next week. I'll also just add that. It's 9:30 at night, so not only do we not have a coffee sponsor, but we don't have any coffee either. Or I hope you don't, but I don't. And if you're waiting to hear our views, which will be a at the end of the next week's episode, just join us next week as well. And uh, thanks for joining us today. 